It is great to be with you all. First service in the house of the Lord today. I love it. Okay, who here? Who here? Let's get that coffee kicking in, get the energy moving a little bit. I like it. Who here is glad to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, let me hear you a little bit. It is good. It is absolutely a good thing to be in the house of the Lord together. Uh, Everybody here, anybody here, like you're totally ready for Christmas. Everything, the gifts are bought, wrapped, everything's, oh wow, we got a few, that's awesome. How many here, you're almost there, almost there, almost ready. How many here, it's like, we're not ready at all. Nice, okay, that's great. Uh, And how many here, you literally don't know, it's all on your spouse's shoulders. Anybody here going to admit, okay, nice, it just... Just curious if that was true as well. Um, I love you. I love that you all are here today. If you would, open your Bibles to Proverbs 1. I'm going to have you in two sections of Scripture today. Proverbs chapter 1. Mark your finger there uh, in the beginning of the wisdom literature section of Scripture, Old Testament. And, uh, and then, so that's kind of on the first part of your Bible. And, uh, and then I want you to flip all the way to the very end to Revelation 21. So we're going to be Proverbs 1, Revelation 21. And uh, you can mark both sections in your scripture, in your Bible, and we'll, we'll be back and forth a little bit. Proverbs 1, Revelation 21. Uh, while you're turning there, I did just want to take a second and thank again the North Pole. Man, Karen, you and your crew did a great job. That's right. Thank you so much for that. Uh, 750 some, I'd have to look at the exact numbers in my notes, that came through and 42 families connected with 42 families that have no church home. And so that's awesome to connect with so many families and have significant conversations with people uh, that have yet to center their lives around the love and life of Jesus Christ. So what an awesome, awesome thing that that was able to happen. 42 families. So be praying for them. I know that follow-up is taking place. The teams are still working. Conversations are being had. Um, man, we want to pray that God continues to do great things through, through those connections. Thank you for all of that. Uh, I did also want to really quick just talk. Uh, once, it's about every seven years, Christmas falls on a Sunday morning. And uh, I, I've been thinking about this for the last number of years, and it kind of dawned on me, this is six, seven months ago even. I was like, you know, I have tried different ways to do Christmas morning. I've done, like, so the traditional, remember, I'm only into ministry 21 years as a pastor. And so I've seen it different ways. Um, We tried, like, the big, huge, don't do presents, don't do family stuff. Everybody come together. Let's all be here first. Um, I've done it where it's like, here's a take-home worship service for you. And I was thinking about this. And, of course, being a a church history guy, I, I don't quite have my doctorate yet, but I'm getting very close, Lord willing. Uh, So being a church history guy myself, uh, I know, this has always been so interesting to me, the very first worship moment that Jesus was present in was in an intimate family group. Right? Like the very first, the very first moment that Jesus Christ was in a worship moment was in a small, intimate family group. And I was wondering, I was thinking about this a number of months ago. I was like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way um, to reclaim the awe and wonder back into that, into that moment. And so here's my challenge to you. And I want to try it this year. I only get a chance to try this once every seven years-ish. So uh, bear with me. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. 
I want to challenge you all on Christmas morning. We're going to do all of our weekend services on Saturday. So um, everything that we do, all of our services, I know we've got two of them here, two of them these fishers, the downtown stuff everywhere. All of our services are going to be on Saturday this coming week. So we're still doing weekend services all the way through. Uh, but all our weekend services will be on Saturday, Christmas Eve. And then on Sunday morning, I would love it when you wake up with your family, before you go into the chaos of the day, gather your family around, make, and I got little ones, I know how excited they are. Read Luke 2, 1 through 20 with your family before you do anything else. Bring the intimacy to your home. And then you can use this as a model on all the weeks or all the Sundays that Christmas doesn't land on, you know, in between now and about seven years-ish out, depending on, on the cycle. And so read Luke 2, 1 through 20 with your family. And then I want you to do, I honestly think, I honestly think the very first worship moment of Jesus being born to this world. So Mary and Joseph, in that moment, they know he's the Christ. I mean, you know, the Virgin Mary, all the miraculous stuff that's taken place. There they are with the newborn baby Jesus. And I thought about, like, what conversation did they have when they first looked at that baby in that crib? That's gone through my mind. And honestly, I think what they were talking about, this is, this is not the Lord, you know, but saith Mike. So, so take it all with a grain of salt. But I think the first conversation that they had as they looked at that baby, they probably talked about like, I wonder what broken things he is going to fix. Or maybe even, I'm most excited for him to fix or make right this. And so I'd encourage you on Sunday morning, and is that not what every worship song is about? The anticipation of Jesus fixing something that's broken? And so I would love it on Christmas morning, only once every seven years, let's, let's try this. Begin anew, if you don't do this, begin anew in your home. Before you open presents, everybody gathers around Luke 2, 1 through 20 as a family unit. Read that section of scripture. And then just buzz around the room and maybe just give everybody a chance. And I know with little ones, I mean, even with a two-year-old, not everybody can do this. But just buzz around the room and just share what you're excited for Jesus Christ to make right. Like, that's the conversation I think that took place on that wonderful morning. And so I'd love for you to do that. Um, And this is, it's fun for me. I mean, as a pastor, I, I... if I could just have you there and and bring the love and grace and worship of Christ into those moments, and then on all of those Christmas days between the once every seven years-ish rhythms, you you now have a new way to, to center Christmas really truly around Christ even on that morning. So Luke 2, this is your challenge, Luke 2, 1 through 20. And then before you open presents, just share what you're really excited for Christ to make right. I know, I already think I know what I'm going to share on Sunday. I cannot wait to see my grandpa again. That's, that's for me. Like the one thing, and I'm going to read Luke 2, 1 through 20. And then the thing I'm really excited about is I cannot wait for death to die and me to get to see my grandpa again. And just share that intimate moment um, as they would have all those years ago uh, around Christ. All right, Proverbs 1 and Revelation 21, 1 through 4. So you got your battle plan. So next Saturday, do all your, do your worship services with us next Saturday. And then Sunday morning, take it to the intimacy of your home.
Uh, and then the last thing I would say too is this. I wanted to mention, especially for those that are watching online, if there is anybody in our congregation that it's like, man, for whatever reason, single adult, a long ways away from family, for whatever reason, you can't worship with your family and you don't have a place to go, I really mean this. Reach out and I'll send you to Kathy's house. No, uh, I, I, really mean, I really mean this though. Reach out to the church if you do not have a place to worship. And, and we have some amazing families in our church that would love to open their arms for you to come and join them. So be with a family. If you're not in a family, uh, please come and join a family. And so let us know. Reach out to the church. We would definitely love to have you worship with one of our families uh, to be in one of those uh, intimate, familial places, just like Jesus would have been um, in those early days of his life or early moments of his life. Okay, here we go. Imagine with me. We're doing this every week. You can do it. Do it one more time here. Imagine with me. It's Christmas morning. The presents have been divvied out. You look under the tree, and there under the tree is one extra gift. You grab the gift. You open it up. You're taking a look at it. You're finding, all right, who is this to? Did you get this? Your wife's like, I didn't buy it. And the truth is, you didn't buy any of the gifts, so you don't know. And uh, as you're looking at this, you pull it open. It's like, there's your name, and it says, from God. That would be interesting. And then the question is, what do you wish God would put in here for you? Like if God could give you one amazing gift, what do you wish that God would put in this for you? Now, I want to do one extra thing with this this morning. I would love it if you would pull out the Next Steps cards right here at the beginning of the service. Grab one out. Just pull it out, pull it out. Um, you can use your phone to take notes if you want to, too, but I, I prefer paper and pen. Uh, let, a, let a tree die uh, as, you, as you take notes here. You're not going to kill a whole tree with one. But there you go, pull it out. Next Steps cards. And here's what I want you to do. I just want to give you a second, and I want you to write on that card what you wish was in this box. So take a moment and write down what you wish God would give you. Is, I mean, seriously, is it like keys to a brand new house, keys to a brand new car? Is it like a, a marriage if you're single? Or, 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 or maybe it's, you know, you wish you could have your health back or a loved one that's passed away and you wish things would have been different. Or, I mean, what do you wish was in here? A lottery ticket so you could finally have financial freedom. What do you wish God would put in this box? I want to give you just a few seconds here to write something down. Go. Don't, don't look at me. Look at your paper. What do you wish God would put in this box? Money, house, family, health, a better relationship with someone. Maybe you're estranged from a father, a mother, a sister, a friend. What do you wish God would put in this box? Now I want you to do something else for me. And, and I understand this is some good prefrontal cortex cognitive stuff we're going to do. So uh, let's see if we can do it. Hopefully there's enough coffee in our system to make this happen. What I want you to do is I want you to look at whatever you wrote down. So for you, if it's health, if it's a marriage, if it's, you know, money, if it's a new job, whatever it is that you wrote down on that card or 
that you wish God would give you. You just wish God would give you. I want you to do your best to follow the object of your desire to the desire itself and write that down. So let me help you with this. Maybe you put, I want a new job. Think about why you want that new job. It's like, I hate my boss. Why is it that you hate your boss? Because he doesn't value you. Why does that bother you so much? Because I want to be and feel loved. Follow the train. Look at what you wrote down and follow the train. To the best of your ability, write out what that root desire is. Why do you want money? Maybe if you follow it all the way down, it's because you want to feel secure. Why do you want marriage? You follow it all the way down, it's because you want to feel loved and you want intimacy. This is just for you. You, you, You're not going to get it wrong. There's no test. I just want you to take a second and write out. Follow that train and, and, and write it out. Now, as you're looking at some of these, I want us to become really aware. Like, if I could take you all the way back in time, and you can keep kind of jotting stuff down if you want to. Some of these root desires, intimacy, love, security, to feel valued, um, to just feel good. I mean, like, maybe you have a broken body. It's like, man, I wish I could just have health. Um, whatever it is that you want to write down, I want to take you back to the Garden of Eden. And in your mind's eye, imagine with me, there's the tree. And, and I know this isn't exactly right linguistically, but the way it's always kind of portrayed to us is like a snake is wrapping around the tree and it like kind of comes down. And he's like talking to Eve and Eve's plucking the apple. And, and it probably wasn't an apple. And, it, and it's like there's, there's a lot. That's okay. Just run with the metaphor. And so there's the enemy, and the enemy is whispering the lie to Eve. Whispering the lie to Eve. And and the primary lie, like the root lie of the enemy, is that God created you. This is the root lie. This is the first lie that broke the world. Everybody look at me. This is the first lie that broke the world. The lie that broke the world is the same lie that you and I wrestle with, with everything that you wrote down on that paper, right? The root lie of the enemy is that God created you with desires that he won't fulfill. So you need to take things into your own. Like, that's it. That's the first lie. Like, there's good out there, Eve, and God's not going to give it to you. You need to take things into your own hands. The first lie, the root lie, the primary driver is that the enemy, of the enemy, is that God created you with desires he won't fulfill, so you need to take things into your own hands. Now, I want to pause on that idea, and I just want to make a couple of statements that I want to read out of Revelation. Uh, All root desires, every root desire that you have, so like, if, if you're thinking, I mean, even to the addict that is addicted to cocaine, right, The person who says, I want cocaine, like the addict, if you follow that desire, why do you want that, right? It's 
for a lot of the people that we do ministry with, like even in the downtown setting that Kathy works with, they have significant mental health issues. So why do they want it? It's because their minds are a mess. And they're literally trying to medicate. That's many of them fit in that, in that box. And they feel unbelievably lonely and they feel disconnected and their minds are busy. I mean, they just, they just want reprieve. They want to feel good, like wanting cocaine bad. But as you begin to untwist that, the root desire is they, they want to feel love. They want to feel better. They're tired of having, feeling so broken or being in so much pain. Think of people that are addicted to like pain medications after surgeries. Just follow that trail. As you follow it down, as you untangle your desires, you will follow them back to places where they were good. And the enemy tainted them somewhere along the way. Revelation 21.4 is really interesting. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, so now this is the grand final answer for all of humanity's hungers. Everybody who longs to feel secure, everybody who longs to feel loved, everybody who longs to be healthy, everybody who longs for intimacy, everybody who longs to be with family and and wants relationship. This is the crescendo to all of the human story, the very end of this. When I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4 Revelation 21.4, this is a text I memorized a while back. And he will wipe every tear from their eye. And death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, like, the very end of Revelation... This grand crescendo, I mean, like these are some of the last statements from arguably the most impactful prophetic word humanity has ever heard. And the promise is that it will be made right. I mean, Jesus gives John a picture of what is to come, it's a new Eden. The place perfectly designed to fit humanity. So God made you to to be hungry and want to eat. It's the perfect fit. God designed you for relationships and to want to, it's the perfect fit. What is this place like? All forms of starvation are gone. Just sit in that. All forms of starvation are gone. And the fountain of satisfaction dwells with humanity. I mean, like, can you see the implicit meaning in this? God wants all of your appetites 
rightly fulfilled. That's what he desires for you. All right, now I know we're kind of two-thirds the way into this message, so this, I'm not done, but I want you to do something, and we're going to even physically move just to help this happen. If you would just stand up really fast, stand up really fast, move around. We're, imagine we're a good old Catholic service, up, down, up, down, up, down. And uh, if you come from a Catholic background, I love you. That was no offense intended. So bear with me here, really, right? God wants all your appetites rightly fulfilled. I just want you really quick, if you can, just close your eyes and kind of open. See, I didn't want you to do this sitting down. You'd fall asleep on me. Close your eyes, kind of palms up like you're receiving a gift. And I just want you to hear from the Lord again. Think about whatever place you are in. Do you long for healthy intimacy and relationships? Do you long for security? Do you long, is your body not working right? Like, I mean, you long to be healthy and your body to to operate well. What do you long for? Hear the word of the Lord given to you. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God wants you rightly fulfilled. Now, kind of with your eyes closed and hands out, just say this. This is truth. You're speaking biblical truth, right? Just say this. God wants me fully and rightly fulfilled. You ready? Let's do this together. God wants me fully and rightly fulfilled. That's what he wants for you. And even now, Lord, as I think about everybody in this room, the truth is many of us have grown weary to people out there right now or even listening online. I want to be honest about those who don't believe it. They don't believe it. Too much brokenness, too much hurt, too much pain. They don't believe it. It's too good to be true. God, to that person out there, I pray that you would speak to them in ways that would warm their heart to truth. To people out there who believe it, but it's only intellectual. They don't feel it. I mean, too much pain, too much hurt. They believe it maybe in their minds as Christians, but they don't feel it. God, I pray that you would uniquely speak to each of those situations too. That you would divinely give them the ability to not just know, but in their bones to maybe even feel the promises of God. I ask for that. And Lord, to people out there who Maybe they believe it, and maybe they have moments where they feel it, but the truth is they've been following you for a long time, and they've seen so much, and they're just really tired of waiting. When are you going to come? When are you going to make things right? When are you going to fix all that's broken? To the people that are just truly weary, God, I pray in your name you would uniquely speak to each of those people in ways that would let them taste and see how good you are, that you would help them not grow weary in doing good. God, you be faithful to those that don't believe, to those that don't feel, and to those that are just tired. God, be faithful. In your name, amen. You can take a seat. 
Proverbs, we're going to flip all the way back to the beginning now because the truth is the end game is awesome. God is faithful even if you don't believe it or even if you don't feel it or even if you're just going through seasons where you're weary in it, the promise stands true. So like, it's one thing for us to feel lost. It's another thing for us to actually be lost. A great example of this is even with my own kids in our home. Like at night when my little girls are scared, then they say, Daddy, I feel scared. I feel, it's one thing for them to feel like they're in danger. It's another thing for them to actually be in danger or not. And I'm like, honey, I know you feel scared and you feel like you're in danger, but you're actually not. And many of us are just like those little kids. Where I feel tired. I feel in danger. I feel like God is absent. But in reality, he is not absent. He is engaged and he is faithful. But it is true that we are in the waiting season of history right now. The good work of God has begun. The world is being transformed and we're waiting on its fullness to take place. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, and in equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, so this text, this text that prepares us for the journey that will lead us to Revelation Solomon, I mean, arguably one of the smartest men to ever walk the earth. I mean, even if you're not a Christian, you have to admit, billions of people have followed his axioms over thousands of years. Even if you're not a believer, there's probably no other wisdom literature author that has greater impact on the human story than Solomon. And in the beginning of this section of Scripture, the beginning of the wisdom literature, Solomon makes a couple things really clear. The first, I mean, out of the gate, from the wisest man that's walked this planet other than Christ himself, right? Out of the gate, the first big idea that Solomon offers humanity is this. Our appetites have a a problem. And the problem, now this is a larger, not just this section of Scripture, but even larger, The problem is this, they are starving, like our appetites are starving, and we are trying to feed them in wrong ways with wrong things. And when we do this, Solomon is ultra clear through the wisdom literature, this brings suffering, not only to us, but to others. And even the world itself feels the pain of people and humans and nations trying to satisfy starving parts of their hearts in sinful ways. When we feed right desires in wrong ways, we end up starving the healthy appetite even more. I want you to think about like, And I have, over the years, I've got to meet with lots of people. I think about, like, the person, the addict, 
the one who longs for intimacy and feels alone, the young adult guy who turns to pornography and, and it just gets deeper and deeper and, and, and more perverse and deeper and more perverse and deeper. It just grows because the actual desire for intimacy is being fed with something that's leaving the actual appetite starving even more. So you indulge in what actually can't satisfy your root desire more and more and more and more and more. This is true of drug addiction. It's true of even people who are looking for security through financial wealth. Have you ever noticed? I mean, the the stats are really interesting, but like, People that long to feel secure by having wealth, there just is never enough. I was just reading the other day, one of the wealthiest people on the planet right now. Um, He's a market maker guy. Uh, I'm not even sure I remember his name. But I was reading an article the other day and he was saying, so one of the wealthiest people in the world right now And as the markets are dropping, he's got to lock things down because, you know, he's at risk. How do you become one of the wealthiest people in the world and you still feel at risk? Just let that settle in. When we feed right desires in wrong ways, we end up starving the healthy appetite even more. You never have enough. And Solomon knew this. I'm going to invite Josh up as we pull some of this, right? So whatever your desire is in here for intimacy, for love, for whatever it might be, how do you navigate this in the fallen world? Solomon offers a prime compass, literally a first filter that we must take all our desires through. Okay, so, so now hear me clearly. It is not sinful at all to want intimacy. It is not sinful to need to eat. It is not sinful to want to feel secure. It is not sinful to want to have bodies that are healthy and work right. Like, do you understand that in this fallen world we have desires and those root desires have become tainted, but the root desires are not in and of themselves sin. They're tainted. They're tainted. Our desires have become tainted and twisted. And so how do we navigate all of this? How do we navigate all of it? He offers the prime idea in the text we just read. It is the fear of the Lord, literally deep respect and honor, the fear of the Lord. So our first step, whether it's a desire for intimacy, our first step, whether it's a desire for security, our first step, whether it's a desire for even like power. Why do people want power? Why do they want influence? Because they want to protect themselves and they want to protect their family. Follow it back. And as you're pursuing intimacy or as you're trying to pray for and long for, ask God, for security or for health or for power as you're pursuing these things, man, they are so twisted. And we keep putting wrong things into those appetites which twists them even more and makes us want things that are now not godly. And the initial first lens that Solomon offers is, listen, you guys, 
Our hearts, literally the scripture says, are deceitful above all things. How can we even trust them anymore? And so the first rubric that Solomon offers is you just have to trust God over all other things. I love the word fear. It's actually a good one. Your fear of loss of intimacy. should be weak compared to your fear of loss of the Lord. To be a human that needs things, to have appetites, it's not wrong. Now they're twisted, and we feed them in wrong ways, but to be a human that needs to eat is not wrong. To be a person that longs for intimacy in a family is not wrong. God wants you rightly satisfied. God didn't create you to starve. Heaven is humanity fully satisfied. And it leads us to just a real important, quick question. How do we guide our appetites as we wait on heaven's perfect fulfillment? The scripture offers a number of things just to kind of give you quick and we'll be done. The first one is this. Rightly order your allegiances. You are not first an American or first a Republican or first a Democrat or first. You're not first to these things. You are first a Christian and you fear the Lord and that's your primary compass. You need to make that primary in everything. Rightly order your allegiances, Mark 12, 29 through 31. I'm not saying that all other allegiances are bad. You just got to rightly order them. The second thing I would say is this. You will need accountability. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, Proverbs 27, 17, and 28 through 13, or 28, chapter, chapter 28, verse 13. You will need accountability. Listen to me. You, when you are in the middle and your appetite for security is really high and you really believe money is the answer to that, you will become blind and you will miss it in your own life. You need other Christians and people speaking into you. You need it. You will need accountability. The other thing I would say is you may need to fast. Like there may be a season where you have so wrongly fed your desire for intimacy, you've so wrongly fed it for so long, you may hit a season where you need to just Literally separate yourself out and fast from it completely to give your appetite a chance to be reordered. Matthew 5, 30, you may need to fast. And above all things, you will need to trust God in certain areas that may not make sense. Listen, I know in our modern world, there is worldly wisdom on sex, 
There is worldly wisdom on money. There is worldly wisdom on relationships. There's worldly wisdom in clothing. There's worldly wisdom. Pick whatever you want. Rightly order your allegiance. You will, Christians, you will need to trust God in certain areas that may not make worldly sense. So here's the last question, right? I just want you, and I'm going to leave you with this. Look at your next steps card, whatever it is that you wrote down. And, and it may started with something sinful, but hopefully you can follow it back to the kind of morally neutral words. A desire for intimacy. That's, right? And I just want you to look at whatever it is that you wrote on your card And I want you, to the best of your ability, answer this question. Are you ready? What does it look like to trust God with N or literally the unmet desire of yours? Look at that word that you wrote down. A new job, mad at my boss, want to feel valued. I want to feel valued. Just look at that and go, Lord, what do you have to say about that to me? And write that out on your card. Lord, go before the mind and the heart and the pen. Let them align with objective truth. Amen. Take some time and write. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.